turn in God's Word now, um, reading this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 40 down to verse 56. And we're going to look at uh, these verses over the next uh, two Sundays, God willing. Um, and this morning we're going to focus on the woman who came after 12 years of a discharge of blood condition, uh, who was healed by Jesus by touching the hem of his garment. So we're thinking this morning about the hem of his garment, uh, and I pray that as we open up his word now in Luke's gospel, chapter 8, verses 40 down to verse 56, that we would hear what God has to say to us through his holy word this morning. So that will be on the screens before you or on page about 866 of the, the Pew Bible. Let's read God's word together this morning. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead, but do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that someone should be given her, something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Amen. In our passage this morning, we see two miracles, and like I said, this Sunday we are going to look at one, and then the next Sunday, God willing, we're going to look at the other. Luke's gospel, just before where we have read, so just preceding verse 40, we have seen Jesus' power being displayed through a variety of different miracles that he has performed. We've seen in the verses that go before, we see Jesus' power over nature by the calming of the storm. We see Jesus' power over the demonic by freeing a possessed man from demons. And now we see this morning Jesus' power over diseases. And next Sunday, God willing, we're going to see Jesus' power even over death itself. So Jesus, in verses 40 to 42, we read that he's just returned, and um, um, so he's been sailing on the, the Sea of Galilee, and he's just calmed a storm, so he's been, he was on this side where he's just returned to, so this morning, let's call in um, verse 40, side A. 
He's been already been on side A, and he's gone across to side B. And as he's gone across to side B, that's when the, 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 the storm um, arose, happened, when he calmed it, which we see in verses 22 onwards. And he gets to side B, and as he's over there, we read that he reaches that side and he frees this man from uh, demon possession. And then um, we, we read um, that Jesus is asked to leave side B. They say, we've seen what you've done, Jesus, but we want you to go. We don't want you to be here. We've seen you just free this man from demon possession. He's been possessed by demons, a legion of demons. And, and we want you to go, Jesus. We don't want that kind of stuff here. I, I, I can't fathom that. For me, I'd be thinking of everyone who needed to be touched by Jesus in my family, my friends, and saying, Jesus, stay right there. I'm going to go grab everyone I know, and I'm going to bring them all to you, and I want you to do what you can for them. But that's not what we read. They say, Jesus, can you please go? I think it's in verse 37. Then all the people of the surrounding country asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. Isn't that mind-blowing? And what we see, friends, is that there's nothing new under the sun. That not everyone who encounters and who sees and witnesses the power of God wants to be part of it. It still happens today. It still happens. Not everyone that sees God at work wants to be involved in that. For some people, that's too much. We just want a nice wee church service. We don't want demons being thrown out of people and cast out. We don't want to see legs grow back. We don't want to see people getting their eyes, uh, their sight given back to them. We don't want any of that stuff. We just want a nice wee cushy church service that we can control from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock. And perish the thought that it goes over 12 o'clock because we've got the chicken in the oven. You know the people that I'm speaking about. Not everyone that encounters the power of God wants to be part of it. For some it is too much. They begged him to leave. Jesus, go away. Can you imagine that? And spot the irony that when Jesus then leaves side B, he comes across the Sea of Galilee again, back to side D. We read in verse 40 that they welcomed him. They were waiting for him. The irony of the two sides. What side are you on? Are you side A or side B? Are you waiting expectantly for Jesus with a smile on your face saying, Jesus, we long for you to come. Hurry up. And you can just imagine as Jesus, this is what I would have been like, just as Jesus is coming across and you're, they're waiting on side A and the boat's coming and the boat's getting closer. Oh, Jesus is about to come. Hurry up, Jesus. We can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And as he's getting further and further away from side B, you can just think, oh man, that was weird, wasn't it? That was strange. What side are you on? Are you someone that's waiting expectantly for Jesus? Or are you like the others on the other side that are actually saying, Jesus, see that stuff you're doing? It's too much for us. Go. Go. Now, I'm not trying to overstate what God has done and what God is doing here. But I think we'd agree that we're seeing him at work. We're seeing God at work in this place. We're seeing people come to faith. We're seeing people freed from things that have weighed them down. And we long to see the sick healed. And we long to see the demonic strongholds um, crumble and cast out in the name of Jesus. And we're beginning to see God at work. There's a verse that says, don't despise the day of small things. Thank God for the little things that he's doing. 
and be expectant for greater things that are still yet to come. We're seeing him at work. He's doing something. And I've been asked by so many people here, why are some people leaving the church? Why are they not wanting to be here? Now, for some, they've moved away, and that's fine. And for others, there's genuine reasons why they've gone. But maybe for some, it's too much. And I pray that in this place, that we are side A, that we are expectantly waiting for Jesus to turn up, that we are welcoming him in this place, that we long to see him at work and do amazing things as his kingdom breaks out. It's not new. Not everyone wants to be a part of the kingdom of God breaking through and coming. But I pray in this place that God finds a people who are waiting for him. And as Jesus is welcomed by the crowd in verse 40, when he comes back, we, we read that all of a sudden this man turns up, Jairus, or Jairus, Jairus, and he's a ruler of the synagogue, and he falls at the feet of Jesus. And you can just imagine the scene that Jesus has been, there's been cheers and claps, and Jesus getting pat on the back. Oh, it's great, we missed you. It's so good to have you back. And then all of a sudden, this guy falls on his knees. And you can just imagine the whole atmosphere changing. Jesus, you need to come quickly. You need to come. My daughter, my only daughter, she's only 12 years old. She's dying. Please, and he implores him. He begs him, Jesus, I'm not leaving your, your feet. I'm going to stay on my knees unless you come with me. I need you to come. And Jesus, we, we read that he, he goes and, and off off he goes. And we're going to touch on that more next week, God willing. But I want you to remember that that has been the scene. You can imagine just the chaos now as Jairus has entered the, the, the scene that, that, that there's, oh man, let's go. Come on, quickly. Jairus' daughter, she's dying. She's only 12 years old. His only daughter. And the crowd, who knows what they're thinking? Oh yes, we're going to get to see Jesus do something amazing again. Oh poor Jairus' daughter. There have been a variety of thoughts. And we read that the crowd that they, they follow, they, they pressed around him, verse 42, just at the end of verse 40, they pressed around him. We're not going to miss this. We need to see what Jesus is about to do. But not everyone who was there was spectating. Not everyone who was there was there just out of intrigue. For we read of this lady in verse 43 who needed a touch from Jesus. She came with a very specific, specific purpose and reason. And again, it's as if the narrative just changes. They've just welcomed Jesus back. The crowds are, oh, it's great to see you. We've been waiting for you. Then Jairus turns up. He falls on his knees. Oh, man, poor Jairus. And then all of a sudden, again, it's as if we run into a brick wall. And again, the narrative changes. Remember, Jesus is still heading to Jairus' house. That, that, that's what's happening here. And you can imagine uh, Jairus, come on, Jesus, hurry up. And then we read of this lady, this woman, who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, verse 43. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. The narrative is interrupted. The journey to Jairus' house is interrupted by a lady, by a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, hemorrhaging for 12 years. Can you imagine how miserable her life would have been? 
Imagine how inconvenient that would have been as well. She, she would have been so exhausted through the loss of blood. How hard that would have been for her. And what we read about her is that we see the severity of her condition. It's been going on for 12 years. We see the hopelessness of her situation. She's tried everything. She's spent every penny that she has all of her living has gone to try and sort this problem out. But yet, every time she's paid, all that's happened is disappointment. Really sorry. We thought that was going to work, but it didn't. Oh, maybe this time, I'll, I'll give this physician a couple of hundred pounds. Oh, really sorry. Again, we thought this was going to work, but it didn't. Disappointment after disappointment for 12 years. She spent all her livelihood, every penny, on going to doctors to try and be cured from this chronic hemorrhaging. That just sounds awful, doesn't it? That sounds so difficult. And she's lost both her health, she's lost her wealth. She knows the pain and the tiredness and the constant sense of hopelessness. And maybe... You're, you're, you don't have this exact condition, but maybe that constant sense of hopelessness is something that you can identify with this morning. Maybe every avenue that you've tried, you just are met with disappointment, rejection, disappointment, hopelessness. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you think, I don't know what it feels like to be bleeding for 12 years, but man, I can identify with the hopelessness that she's feeling. But in addition to this poor woman and her hopeless situation and her loss of wealth and health, for her back in her day, this wasn't just a health and wealth thing. Because of the, the customs of Judaism, in addition to this, the religious laws of her days would have said that she was ceremonially unclean. She couldn't go to temple. She couldn't go to worship. She couldn't get near God's people in God's presence. Because of the religious laws, she wouldn't have been allowed to partake in worship in the temple because of her bleeding. This would have meant that she would have lost her status and her reputation in her community and in her culture with Jewish people. People would have avoided her because she would have been unclean. I don't want to become unclean. I'm going to take a wide berth on her. Can you see just how hopeless her situation was? For 12 years, this woman has been an outcast who had no money and no hope. Can you sense her desperation? And it's no wonder then that she's trying to hide in this crowd. I don't want to out myself and proclaim that this is what's wrong with me. She's so desperate. She's got such desperation of a situation. But friends, sometimes that's where we need to be. Sometimes that's where we need to be. We need to hit rock bottom sometimes. Why? Because sometimes that's the only thing that makes us turn to Jesus. She tried the doctors. She had tried the healings. She had tried the physicians. She tried everything. She had spent every penny that she had ever made in her life. 
Her friends and family couldn't and probably didn't want anything to do with her because of her being ceremonially unclean, which would have impacted them going to temple as well. She couldn't even go and be part of worship. Where could she go? Where could this poor woman turn? She could turn and she could go to the place that every single one of us can turn and go to. She went to Jesus. In desperation, we see Jairus fall on his knees in front of Jesus and implore him to come back to his house. But here we see this poor woman reach out a hand in desperation. Maybe, just maybe, if I just even touch the hem of his garment, just the very outskirts of his presence, maybe, just maybe, I need to try it. I've tried everything else. I've tried spending all the money. I've tried the doctors, the healthcare. I've tried everything that is there possible. I can't go to temple. I can't even get near the religious leaders. But maybe if I just touch the very edge of Jesus' cloak, maybe, just maybe, Here she is in the crowd with a need, with a want, with a desire, with a hope and a prayer. I don't know what took her to this crowd. Maybe she'd heard the stories. Maybe she'd heard what Jesus had done for other people. I don't know what's brought you here this morning. Maybe you've heard the stories. Maybe you've heard of what God has done in other people's lives. She's thinking, maybe he can make me well. I just love her faith. I don't even have to ask him to pray over me. I don't even need him to look at me. Because she's just known rejection. She probably thought, I can't even go and ask him to pray with me. I can't even get him to put his gaze upon me. She's been cast out of the community. But maybe if I just touch the edge of his garment... Maybe the hem of his robe will be enough. This woman's experience of being healed up until this point had been 100% negative. Every time she tried it, it had ended in failure. But friends, so many of her faith stories begin and change with the word but. So many of us and our faith stories, our encounters with Jesus, life was hard, life was difficult, this was happening, that was happening, things were going wrong, I didn't know where to turn, but then, but then someone said, why don't you come to church? Someone said, why don't you try pray? But then I turned to Jesus. This is what she does. She turns to Jesus. And I want you to imagine what this must have been like for her. As she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment, verse 44, she is immediately healed. The discharge of blood ceased immediately. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for her? 12 years of rejection, hopelessness, and in the blink of an eye, she is made well. 
and she is healed in verse 45. Jesus then says, who was it that touched me? Now, can you imagine what, like, what that must have felt like for her? Oh man, I thought I was going to get away with this. I was just touching the, the robe of his garment and all of a sudden I've stopped the whole procession and everyone's now looking about the crowd and there's little old little lady here thinking, oh, please don't look at me, please don't look at me. Who's touched me, Jesus says. And you can just imagine Peter going, come on, Jesus, there's a whole crowd here. Who, the hustle and the bustle, they're pressing in and they're, they're trying to follow you. There's loads of people touching you. There's loads of people around you and bumping into you. Jesus says in verse 46, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Isn't that amazing? This shows us an insight into Jesus that I probably never noticed in my life before. That every time Jesus healed or did something for someone, it came at a cost for him. No wonder he goes off and he spends so much time praying in the presence of his Father. Everything Jesus has done and did came at a cost. And it wasn't the, the touch that Jesus was referring to, the hustle and the bustle. It was the power departing. There was someone who reached out and it was a different reach out. It was different from all the other hustle and bustle that was happening. Friends, it cost Christ. Everything Christ did for us comes at a cost. And as Jesus perceives his power departing from him, he stops and he thinks, who is it that's reached out? And it's a different type of touch. Of course, there's other people rubbing up against him and kind of pressing in against him. Who was it? In verse 47, the woman realizes that she's not hidden. And she came trembling and falling. Notice the fear in her all she's known is rejection in her life. No wonder she was so scared. Oh man, I've really blown it this time. I should have known better. I shouldn't have reached out. Why did I do that? Who knows what's going to happen? She's trembling. She falls down and she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Isn't that amazing that she goes from terror to testimony? She is so fearful of what people are going to say, but actually think, she thinks, I have to testify to what God has done in my life. And friends, that's why we have people stand up here and uh, profess faith and join the church. Those questions are not just legalistic things. It's testifying to that God has made a difference in my life. That's why we gather on Sunday evenings, the first Sunday of the month, so that people can stand up and maybe they're trembling, but they need to testify to the work that God is doing in them and through them. But how was it different when she touched Jesus? Because like I said, there's other people that have been rubbing up against him. What was the difference? Well, Jesus tells us what the difference is in verse 48. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He's seen her faith. Sometimes, friends, when we hit rock bottom and all we know is hopelessness and desperation, Sometimes faith is all we have. And I want to tell you, faith is all you need. Faith is enough. You don't need to earn it. You don't have to achieve it. It's by faith. It is a gift. 
And all you have to do is reach out. See her faith. And her faith allows her to be called a daughter. That's how Jesus addresses her. All she's known is rejection. All she's known has been an outcast for the last 12 years. And here she has this teacher of the day, Jesus, the teacher of teachers, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the man of sorrows, the Christ himself, daughter. Oh, how he deals so tenderly with us. It's the kindness of God that leads to the repentance. But I want to tell you this morning that we aren't by default all sons and daughters of God. It's not a default thing. Not everyone who lives is a son or daughter of God. You can only become a son and daughter of God through adoption into God's family, which is the um, the rightful um, place for people who come to God in faith. When we come to God in faith, when we reach out and we repent and we ask him to fill our lives and we say sorry for the things we've done and we put our hope and trust in him and we lay hold of him, What happens then when faith takes root, God engrafts us into his family. He adopts us into his family. That is why she could be called a daughter, because of her faith. Her healing came by faith. Her title of daughter came by faith. And some of us may be sitting here Sunday by Sunday waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for a lightning bolt to come from the sky. Maybe you're waiting for an angel to appear to you. I don't know. But I plead with you, reach out. Lay hold. And friends, do you know what the amazing thing is because of the cross? It isn't the hem of his garment that we grab. We lay hold of him himself. It is through faith in Christ, and it is by Christ we come. Reach out. I don't know what you're waiting for. You know he's real. You know he's there. You know he's calling you. You know being in his presence makes a difference. You know that the other avenues that you've explored, they've been met with desperation and hopelessness and rejection and fear, and see what Jesus gives this woman. He gives her acceptance, he gives her status, he gives her healing, and he gives her peace. Who doesn't want that? Reach out. Reach out in faith this day, and lay hold, not of his garment, but lay hold of his hands, his nail-pierced hands that have been nail-pierced for you as he went to the cross of Calvary, carrying the weight of your sin. Bearing the wrath of God so that you could be adopted into the family of God through faith. It's not by knowledge, it's by faith. Reach out. Reach out this morning. I pray this morning that even one of us here, that we could reach out that hand and lay hold of Jesus. For friends, he's here and he's calling you by name. Maybe some of us this morning, we've known desperation and hopelessness and terror. And maybe we've already come to God and we've already asked him in and we're already a child. And maybe this morning, God wants to remind you of who you are, that you are his son, that you are his daughter, and that he loves you. And he wants to replace terror with testimony. May you know his peace this day. Let's pray.
Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are in this place. Lord, we take a moment now to respond to your word. We take a moment now, Lord, to lay hold of you. God, help us to reach out in faith. Lord, maybe this morning we need healing. I don't know what's going on, Lord, but you do. Maybe there's healing needed this morning. I encourage you to reach out in faith. Maybe you know hopelessness and fear and your situation feels desperate. Reach out and lay hold of Jesus. For his arms are stretched out towards you. Maybe this morning we've never come to faith in Christ. But let today be the day. God, help us to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. For I thank you that you gave your life for me. I come to you in faith. I repent of my sins. Let me be your son or your daughter. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.